Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the community I run, the Talent Development Think Tank community, is offering a free trial right now for you to check it out. So if you've been listening to the podcast for quite a while and you've been thinking about joining our community, but you've been on the fence, now might be a good time to join. If you don't know about our community, it is all about helping people in talent development improve their capabilities, and achieve more success in the world of talent development. We have over 100 fantastic members who are all about learning, growing, and supporting each other, and that number is growing all the time. And we would love for you to come join us. You can find all the information on our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com, and just click on community. That's right, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com, and just click on community. And now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great episode to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. And today we're going to be talking about manager and leadership development and specifically how you can help your new managers succeed, as well as how to help your managers communicate better and work with their people in a fully virtual or remote environment. My guest today is Kamiko Leung, who has 10 years of experience in learning and development with a heavy focus on leadership development, program design, training design, and facilitation. She spent several years managing teams of individual contributors, as well as 10 years as a director in the nonprofit space. Currently, Kamiko serves as the Senior Learning and Development Program Manager overseeing leadership development programs at Zillow, the real estate tech company based in Seattle. In her role at Zillow, Kamiko manages the resources and development programs for all people managers across the company to build their skills for managing remotely. Kamiko is also the founder of Bloom Mindset Consulting, where she works with companies to provide workshops and keynote presentations on leadership and management. Kamiko is a current CPD TD credential holder through the Association of Talent Development. Uh, Kamiko, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andy, and, and wonderful introduction. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. We've had a couple of great conversations since we met a little while back, and I was just so impressed by the work you've done, specifically working with new managers and that transition from IC to manager, which I think is probably one of the most challenging things out there in the world of talent development. And uh, I definitely want to get into that. But before we do, I'd love for you to start with a little bit of your background. Like, How did you get into this field in the first place? I am one of those folks who, you know, 10 years ago kind of fell into learning and development. I think there's a lot of people who can relate to that where Mm -hmm. you were really good at something. And in my case, it was in recruiting and sales. I was really good at recruiting and sales and I was managing a team and I was just not as fulfilled as I thought I was going to be in that role at that time. And I started thinking about what I actually got the most joy out of in my career. And it was really that time spent developing other people and creating experiences that were fun and engaging that made people want to learn. And so uh, I looked at different options for that. I almost became a college professor at one point. Glad I tried that out before actually doing it. Eventually made my way into learning and development and could not be happier that I, I made this path into my career. Yeah. I'm curious when you say you tried that out, because a lot of people think like, oh, they go all into something or they don't necessarily get a chance to try things, which can be really valuable. Like, How did that come about? And and what happened where you decided like, this is not for me? 
this is one of the reasons I love your book, by the way, own your life own, or your own your career, own your life, because we you talk about piloting your career in a lot of senses. And that's exactly what I did is I actually spoke with a, one of my old college professors and I was a research assistant for her while doing my day job as well, mm. <laughs> working for a nonprofit. But I decided to try out being a research assistant because that's such a heavy piece of being a college professor. And when I tried that piece of it out, I quickly realized doing the research wasn't necessarily the part that gave me a lot of joy, but making the results of that research digestible for other people and interesting to them, that was something that I got a lot of joy out of. And so it was really thinking about what parts of that were giving me that fulfillment I was looking for. Mm, I like that. I have certainly myself tried many things in my career and discovered many things that I don't like doing either. Research is one of them that I would not be very good at. I do like Googling things, but full research, probably not for me, but it's amazing when you discover the things that you do love and that you are good at, and then you can build a career around that. Speaking of that, as, as you moved into the world of talent development, how did you get into this focus more on manager development and you know this idea of helping developing new managers? Uh, absolutely. Well. I started off doing new hire training, and that I think is a really normal pathway for a lot of people who are moving into learning and development is they start with new hires. I often see companies, though, get kind of stuck there. They they keep reinventing new hire training rather than thinking, how do we continue to develop people in their careers? And then from there, also starting to think about like their bench of leaders and how do we start to create that succession plan for folks so that you have this internal talent base you can work with. And after building onboarding programs and new hire training programs and and doing that for a while and really figuring out how people learn in that sense. I started to just have more opportunities to focus on the people who are a little bit further in their career, because when your retention is increasing, well, people want to know what they're going to do next. And so again, with the companies that I was with, I started to get those opportunities to start to explore how do we continue to create this learning experience. With Zillow in particular, we have a huge training team and it's wonderful um, to have this many resources and really catered to the business in the way that they need. Uh, and so I got this opportunity after, again, doing new hire training and in sales for quite a while to really start focusing on our future leaders and really think about how do we do this on a really large scale. So Zillow is what most people consider more of a mid-sized company. I believe we have close to about 7,000 people at this point. So, but it's still quite large in comparison to a lot of other organizations. Oh, yeah. So when you're thinking about scale, mm -hmm. it, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, daunting for a lot of folks. So I'm really glad that I got to kind of make that opportunity happen. Yeah. You know, the context is, is always important and, and everybody's, people work for different organizations of all sizes. We have listeners in companies with 50,000 employees. We have listeners, lots of listeners in companies with, you know, 200 employees, and they're trying to figure out how do we develop our, our team. And everybody has their different level of resources and things like that. But when you get into the bigger scale, the thousands of employees, it comes with this unique challenge. If you have lots of people who are trying to figure out where do I go in my career? How do I move up? How do I grow? And the most common path has always been, hey, if you want to be promoted, you want to move up, you need to become a manager. And yet it's a completely different skill from being an individual contributor, right? So I think as I've been out there talking to people in talent development for years now, I've long felt like the biggest challenge in talent development is 
that move from IC to manager when they say someone says, "Hey, you're really you're a really good salesperson, or you're a really great software engineer. We're going to make you a manager now, so you can help other people be good <laughs> at that." But that doesn't mean that you would be good at helping other people. It's a completely different skill, right? Totally different skill set. And anyone who's made that leap without any kind of training or preparation would probably speak to that. It is one of the hardest transitions in someone's career. And then the following transition of manager to managing managers, that's also a really difficult transition for people. But it's one of those experiences that unless you have um, training and resources and opportunities to practice and try it out, it can really feel like sink or swim when you get into that role. And it's extremely anxiety producing. So that's why I get really passionate about these programs. Yeah. Well, tell me when you when you went to create this, uh, you've created this program at Zillow called Leadership Entrance Experience Program, which is all about helping ICs make that transition, I believe, to manager. Can you tell us about like what that program looks like, you know, what what the needs analysis was, like how you went about building this to make sure it was addressing the the right needs to help people make that transition? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I was lucky in a lot of ways because when I went into this role, there was already a need that had been seen by the business. We had a number of different orgs within our business who had created something like this for themselves, but it was extremely org specific. And we started to think about, well, how can we create a bench of leaders throughout the organization and really leverage people's transferable skills and really not box people into you're great in this particular org, so you have to move up in this particular org. So we're thinking about that. But that really helped because we had folks who are senior stakeholders who were already really passionate about developing this bench of leaders. Mm. Uh, from there, it really got into understanding what worked and what didn't work about those previous programs and how we could make this better accessible for everybody at the company. So we had to make it agnostic enough that everyone could learn together and, mm -hmm. and learn from each other, but then also find ways to make it specific to where that person was was within the business. Because for example, a people manager in a sales org, they're not going to approach managing in the same way as a people manager in an engineering org. It's, right. just, it's two different worlds, right? Yeah. So we would think about that. We would think about the skills that were needed and then how can people dive deeper within their own org from there. This particular program, we were extremely intentional about the word choice, leadership entrance experience program. So we call it LEAP. Obviously, the spelling is not LEAP, <laughs> which has always caused some contention, but, yeah. but we were intentional about that because we did want it to be a full-on experience that people had where they really got the time to reflect and think about, is this what I want to do with my career? Mm -hmm. And am I getting enough experience and exposure to make that decision? So throughout that program, not only are they learning skills that are important for people managers, they are mentoring people and getting to practice those skills along the way. They're having conversations with their managers and with their peers about figure uh, about different problems that managers face and trying to decide, you know, how would I handle this situation and really getting in that mindset of being a manager, because that's one of the biggest shifts for people is that mindset change. And so they do this for about six months, which is a pretty good chunk of time to decide, you know, how do you feel about management? And regardless of whether or not they do decide to continue moving down that path of manager or not, they walk out of this program developing really strong leadership skills that they can bring to any role in the company. So even as a senior IC as well. Mm. Now, I'm curious, who is the sort of the target 
people population that are going through this program? Is this for people who have already been promoted into manager to learn how to become a manager, or is this open to people who are curious about becoming managers? It's really for those folks who are curious, people okay. who have, who are not managers yet that think this is what they want to do. One thing that I talk a lot with managers about is don't put people into this program just because you're trying to find a, a way to keep them excited about their career. Because mm. like you were saying, Andy, management's not for everybody. Correct. It's a yeah. different job and a different skill set. Yeah. There's a lot of ways you can develop and grow in your career. So we do encourage folks who have had enough experience in their career to be to honestly be at that place where they're ready to start thinking about people management seriously. If we can get them into this program when they are maybe six months to 18 months out of actually moving towards people management roles or interviewing for people management roles, that would be like the ideal timing. Hmm. What do you think is important? Like what are what are the key what are the key factors that you put in there or is important for people to learn about as they're trying to make that decision? Do I want to go into management and what do I need to learn to become a good manager? Well, the very first thing that anyone learns in this program is leading without formal authority. That's the first topic we get into because if you can't lead from where you are, throwing a title on top of it's not going to change that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so We really think about that. Like, how can you demonstrate that you're a leader in the position that you're currently in and and start to figure out ways to develop that experience from where you are? That's super important. We also go into other harder skills like giving feedback, coaching people. What's the difference between those two things? How do you develop people? Because that's, again, another important aspect of being a people manager. We also spend time on equity and belonging and emotional intelligence. We spend a whole month talking about emotional intelligence and psychological safety Hmm. because how you show up as a people manager, you you can't just walk into a room and say, I have ideas and opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, that becomes a directive for somebody and you have more of an impact on people when you are seen as a level of authority. So we really work on those different skills with them. And then we round things out with being able to lead projects and initiatives, putting everything all together, collaborating across teams, things that are really important in the virtual world. Yeah, I like that. I I, I think we all know and see that equity and inclusive inclusion is becoming such an important factor when it comes to leadership and management these days, uh, something that wasn't talked about enough in the past and something that I think a lot of employees are paying attention to, right? Do I feel included? Otherwise, if they're talented, they can go somewhere else. I'd love to get into the nuts and bolts of this program. You talk about some of the things that people are learning. How do you go about doing that? I know you have a a mostly virtual remote workforce. So is the program completely virtual? Is it all done live? Do you have on demand? Like, do you use partners? Like, how is the whole thing put together? Yeah, well, the first version of the program had a lot more live training components involved in it. Um, So they would meet every month in live virtual session with a cohort of their peers. Mm -hmm. Since that first version of the program came out, uh, we've evolved the program to meet the needs of the participants now because they're traveling a lot more, a lot more constraints on their time. So there are a lot more on-demand portions, but the conversations that they're having with their managers and with the peers from their org are also still really important for them to be having. And then of course, those mentorship experiences too. So we really think about the the philosophy of 70-20-10. So 70% of your learning should be through experiences on the job. And we build that into the program with, with activities that they're expected to do and practice. 
20% of your learning should be through people. So the mentors you have, the mentees you have, the managers you partner with, and then the peers in your, your cohort group. And then of course, 10% being the resources. So we have tools and resources, decks, other activities and live trainings that help support as well. Okay. All right. So there's a multitude of, of ways you can approach things and and hopefully meet learners where they are, right? As people are traveling around, learning in different ways, doing things virtual. When you get to the end of the program, I'm curious, I would imagine there are, you've got a population of people who go through this and some may get to the end and say, well, I'm glad I went through this, but this is not for me. Like, I don't want to be a manager, right? And then there's probably another population that says, oh, I do want to pursue this. And a subset of them probably are naturally inclined to just kind of get it right away. And some that probably need a lot more help. Do you you look at that? Is there a type of evaluation as part of this to say, okay, this person is ready to go. Let's give them a leadership position. And this person wants it, but they, they need a lot more development. Well, I think this is really helpful for anyone who might be interested in creating a program like this at your company. You want to be flexible with the needs of the business when it comes to management opportunities, because but you also don't want to hold people back from developing those skills either. So we say right at the beginning of the program, you don't complete this program and check, you've checked the box now to become a manager. When the position's there, you get it. No, this is a learning opportunity and an experience for you. So if somebody says after going through the experience, you know, this isn't for me, I consider that a huge win. That's a huge win for recruiting because they're not going to hire this person into a management position just to have them back out after six Mm. months or so. It's a huge win for potential teams because they're not going to get this person who's not all in as a manager and ready to really take that role. So it's that's a great outcome, I would say. You also are going to have that group, like you said, who is just gung-ho, ready to go into management roles too, which is awesome, but they may need more experience still. They should have enough knowledge about what it takes to be a people manager now to continue building that experience that they could speak to in an interview. And then there may be some situations where there are management positions available right now. They need to get filled. Well, great. You've got this really awesome bench of people who are ready to jump right in. I feel like another challenge a lot of organizations are having these days, recognizing and maybe you know call it promoting, for lack of a better word, employees who are highly skilled individual contributors, but would not make great managers or don't want to be managers, right? So do you have people that, that come through and say, this was great. I definitely know I don't want to be a manager, but I'm ambitious and I want to keep moving up. Like, Do you have anything to help to keep those people growing in their careers? I think a lot of organizations are are, are really yeah. thinking about that these days too. I, I yeah, agree with you. Absolutely. We, we actually have a whole team that, that focuses on overall career development and thinking about what are the skill sets people need to be successful um, as individual contributors in the future. And one of the things we we talk a lot about at Zillow is that your career is not a lattice. It's a ladder, or it's not a ladder. It's a lattice. It's yeah. like all of these different connecting points. Yeah. Like how can you, how can you take the time to take a step back and think about what, where do I actually want to develop? Where do I want to spend my time? And how is that of a value to the business as well? And you build those opportunities into your day to day. So that can help people grow. Maybe they want to continue moving up as an IC because there's a path for that as well. Mm. 
But we want to start getting away from this idea of the only way to grow is for me to get promoted one way or another. Because if that were the only way we could grow, we would all be CEOs of our own companies. <laughs> so that's not the, that's not what everybody wants. <laughs> hey, you know, I always struggled to uh, get promoted in the companies I work for. So I finally left and started my own business. And now I'm a CEO. So you how know. are you going to get promoted now? <laughs> it's tough. I don't think it's ever going to happen. There's just kind of nowhere to go from here. I said the focus <laughs> on growing in other ways, right? Achieving uh, fulfillment through learning and growth and providing great value to clients. But uh, yeah, right. There's there's no other position to move into, I guess. Yeah, but there's so many areas to grow personally yes. and professionally, and that has a direct impact on your paycheck, which is often why people want to be promoted is because they want to have a bigger paycheck. That's too, right. Yeah, so. we don't, nobody ever talks about it, but like, really, people want to get paid more. It's not the number one driving <laughs> factor. We've all looked at that data, but it, it is important. Going back a few years ago, you know, the pandemic obviously is something that changed the way everybody worked for at least a period of time. So many companies that were, you know, fully in the office, everybody had to go virtual or remote at that point for a, a period of time. Now, I think we've entered this interesting time in 2023 where there are many companies who are making the decision that everybody needs to come back to the office. We want to get back to that full office culture. And then there are some companies like Zillow that have said, no, we're going to take this and we're going to go fully remote. We're committed to this remote virtual working lifestyle. And there's a lot of other companies sort of in between. I think it's going to be interesting long-term to see how things work out. But I'm curious about the culture there and going fully remote, especially for managers. How do you help them succeed in that environment to make sure they stay connected with their people and they're still enabling them to succeed? Gosh, it's really... It's a really interesting world we're in right now. Um, I'm really glad that I work for a company that is so committed to what we call Cloud HQ, which is being fully remote. That doesn't mean, though, that we never see each other. So we do meet very intentionally throughout the year uh, and have these opportunities to build shared memories as teams and and you know grow together in a lot of ways and get work done if we need to as well. But we also really believe that we could be really productive, giving people the flexibility to work how they can do so most effectively. And I'm I'm such a firm believer in that. I didn't think I would be either, by the way. So yeah. I used to think I was going to be terrible working from home. I yeah. would just get distracted nonstop. Now, if I go into the office, I feel like that's, that's where all the distractions are. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how I got anything done over here. So I, I'm really appreciative of that. Now, these companies that are, are forcing a return to office or who are quote unquote being hybrid, but saying you have to come in these specific yeah, days, two, of three the days week, a week, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I personally believe that it, it's a band aid for a problem that that's very complex that they don't necessarily want to solve for. If we're worried about culture and connection, there are so many ways that you can build culture and connection in a virtual and remote world, but you have to be so much more intentional about it. And you have to teach managers how to set expectations with their teams, how to be very intentional with their feedback and be really consistent with it, and also create the time and space for their employees to build lasting connections and friendships, as well as professional relationships and, and teach them how to do that. So a lot of folks don't necessarily know how to do that very well. And maybe they also even need to have conversations about communication best practices as well. But it's a lot that managers have to think about and be more 
direct and clear about than they ever had to be before because you don't have all of these visual cues that that used to tell you what good behavior looked like. Mm. Um, so I think if you can really master that, if we can really teach our, our managers to feel confident in those skill sets, you can see some real magic happen in a virtual environment. Yeah. And I think in the virtual environment for managers, that increased level of communication and being more outgoing or intentional with communication is so much more important, right? Because you're not just walking around the office, seeing somebody and, and them asking you questions. There's a tendency to fall into the trap of like out of sight, out of mind, or if yeah. I don't hear from them, then they're probably fine, which we all know is not necessarily the case. Right. <laughs> and so you mentioned like coaching and feedback, especially in a virtual setting. Uh, I would imagine you give guidance to managers on maybe not exactly how much, but the consistency in reaching out and how to have those conversations virtually. Oh, absolutely. You know, some managers maybe got into the habit in person of just having one-on-ones once a month or something along those lines. You know, you can't do that in a virtual environment because the you're, if you have a direct report who's gone the entire day without hearing a word from you, they haven't gotten any feedback as to if they're doing the right things or if they're getting off track. And so they're just kind of moving along, hoping for the best. It's really, really important for managers to spend a little bit more time intentionally thinking about how am I going to give feedback to this person? How does this person like to receive feedback? How often does this person actually need feedback from me? And also err on the side of giving more feedback rather than less and be really consistent about building it into your one-on-ones on top of it. One of my mentors says something that I, I love. He says, catch someone doing something right. And we often hear from managers, you know, if they haven't heard from me saying that they're doing something wrong, then they know everything's okay. And you can't do that in a virtual environment because if you're not hearing from your manager all day, you know, that person um, is going to be blindsided when you come to them and say, hey, we're getting off track right now. We need to mm-hmm. course correct. Yeah. So catch someone doing something right, let them know a little bit more frequently what's going well, and then be really, really consistent and, and quick about following up if there needs to be a course correction. Oh, such such great advice right there. Something we don't do enough, right, is, is catching people doing, whether it be our employees or our kids or anybody, like catching them do things right, complimenting people instead of just catching people doing things wrong. Last question for you on that, Kamiko, as we are in this virtual world, and I know you said you, you're you more focused on manager development and you've got a whole team that are focused on career development, but how do you help managers think about having those career conversations and make sure they're addressing what people are looking for and helping them discover different opportunities for growth, You know that lattice versus the ladder in this new virtual or remote world? Well, I I love that our teams work really closely together. And that's, I guess, something that is a pet peeve of mine from from maybe other organizations when your talent development teams are are competing um, to, to push their initiatives forward rather than really working together. But I love this at Zillow that we we partner because we expect a lot of our managers. And if we're not talking with career development, I mean, people development is such a key part of that, of being a good and effective manager. So we want to leverage the resources that they come up with. We talk about growth conversations and really help them break down what an effective growth conversation is going to look like and help them also really dig into the why behind why, why people want to grow in a certain way. So for example, with our IC to manager training program, when we would talk about this, I would give them the example of what if your direct report comes to you and says, I want to be promoted into a manager position. 
Do you just say, okay, great, let's figure out a way to make that happen? Or do you probe a little bit more and try to help under, like understand a little bit more about their reasoning with that mm-hmm. and maybe coach them through that as well and coach them through what to expect and then how to develop from there? So we really think about that and really think about how do we have better communication around that and set good expectations. Mm, totally makes sense. Good coaching uh, tactics right there. Ask a few more questions to dig a little more. Why do they want this thing? Is it about managing people? Is it more about recognition? Is it more about money? Uh, are there other ways they could achieve uh, those goals, but you know, potentially, and what else are they looking for in their career? So the manager can maybe help guide them on that, which is what leadership is all about. Um, I love that. Getting back to the new manager program, Lots of companies out there have new manager programs specifically for people who have been promoted into managerial roles to now help them understand how to become a manager. Not many companies, I have come across very few companies who have this type of manager discovery program, if you will, where you're experiencing, okay, what does it take to be a manager? Is this something that I truly want to do? And I I see a lot of value with that. For those listening who are interested in starting something like that, I'd be curious, A, like what's the first thing you need to be thinking about? And B, how do you go about getting stakeholders involved in, you know, or sponsors on board with supporting a program like this? Well, if you're at a place as a company where you're ready to start thinking about that, that is so exciting because usually that means that you're doing pretty well, you're growing, things are, you need some succession planning in place. I think the first thing to consider is looking at what data is helping support this theory that you're ready to have this type of program. So having strong partnerships that help you figure out that data can be really helpful. Like HR, if you can get them to share a little bit about maybe what exit interviews are saying. So if you're seeing people leave and they're leaving because there's not enough growth opportunities or they didn't see the advancement opportunities for their career, that could be a clue or an indication that it's time for a program like this. If you are having high turnover of new and first-time managers, again, that's an indicator that this there's a this may be an opportunity to start a program like this because people aren't necessarily ready or they're struggling more than they should. So I would start by looking for that data that that supports that this is some good time, a good time for this. From there, figuring out who are the leaders in your organization who are going to be your champions, who get really excited about career development and and building this bench of leaders, and then really leveraging them as sponsors of your initiative. That's super helpful. In my case, because I had some orgs that were already creating programs like this, we also had a whole change management process that had to come with it too, because for many of them, they had created something that was like their baby. It was something that they were really passionate about their orgs, but wasn't necessarily going to work for all of the company. So I started by working with them figuring out what worked really well from their programs that we could leverage, and then also brought them along for the journey about why we were making decisions that we were making and really got into some of that. So the more you can bring your stakeholders along for the journey, the more buy-in they're going to have. And then if you also have a solid plan for how you're going to determine ROI, that is a huge win for you as well. Yeah. So important. The way you can really assess the needs and then connect that back to strategy and and key metrics to think what's important to your stakeholders. It's going to work well in your favor when you're you're putting this out there. This has been great. Is there anything else that you think people need to know when it comes to creating a new manager discovery or new manager program like this, especially for people out there in the virtual world? 
Yeah, I was looking at some data a little while back, especially from ATD. And during ATD's State of the Industry call last January, they were talking about how this is the number one need for a lot of organizations right now, that most organizations are thinking about how do I develop my manager population, especially for this remote world. I think it's one of those things where it's on everyone's mind, but often people don't know where to start. And so if we know that this is going to be something that helps not only improve retention, create career development pathways, improve diversity as well in your management ranks. So women in BIPOC, for example, are far less likely to raise their hands for a leadership position unless they check all the boxes. Well, Programs like this can help give those communities experience so that they can check more of those boxes and feel more confident. It can also give them more of that exposure to sponsors and to mentors and people who can help guide them in their career to give them that confidence to raise their hand for leadership opportunities. So this type of program helps with so many different initiatives that just make business better. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that. Some really great data and thoughts on that to get people thinking about what they can do here to help, especially certain populations, people who might not necessarily raise their hands normally, or you know, think that they are qualified for this type of stuff, because we want to be inclusive and get the right people, the people with a lot of potential into those manager positions. Oh, Kamiko, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge, wisdom, experience on this subject, especially around helping people think about whether they could be a good manager or want to be in management, You know, developing those new manager programs. I look forward to talking with you more about this in the future. And uh, we're going to talk more shortly in our bonus Q&A round. But thanks again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. All right. Take care. All right. That will do it for my interview with Kamiko Leung from Zillow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly did. Got a lot of value from that. I have been thinking about this topic of management and leadership for quite some time as I may have mentioned in the conversation there, I have recently started working on my second book, which is about leadership. And I love learning from others and hearing what organizations are doing. And I know one of the biggest challenges out there is finding ways to reward and help employees grow who are looking to move up when there may not be a definite promotion available or the best way forward might be as a manager, but they have no idea or you have no idea if they are capable of being a good manager. And so it's really cool to hear when organizations are putting programs together like this that are helping ICs or individual contributors really explore the idea of moving into management or leadership and developing the skills that will help them become better managers and leaders. Even if they don't become a technical people manager, they could still become more influential, a better leader as an individual contributor, maybe move into different types of roles. And it sounds like a program like what Kimiko and her team have built at Zillow can be really beneficial for people in different organizations. And she gave some advice there at the end about how to get stakeholders involved, how to get started with building a program like this. I'm sure she wouldn't mind reach if you reached out to her on LinkedIn, if you are working on building something like this. Also, we are going to be doing a session on this topic inside the Talent Development Think Tank community. Kamiko will be joining us as a guest speaker to speak more about how they set this program up to answer questions and you know screen share, really dive in into more of the details and interact with our members uh, in a way that maybe isn't possible on a podcast format. So if you want to learn more and you're not yet a member of our community, come join us. The website with all our information is talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. 
just click on community and you'll see all the info there. We have three levels of membership now. The foundation level for early career L&D professionals, those just getting started in learning and development. We have the all access or experience level for our more experienced L&D professionals. And then we have our new entrepreneur mastermind group for those running a business whether as a freelancer or a bigger business in the talent development space. And you can find all the info for on all those three tiers on our website. We're also offering a free trial right now for our foundation and our early access membership. So go check those out, sign up. There's no risk to you. You can sign up, put in your information, join a couple of our calls, see if it's a good fit and then stick with it. Or you can decide to quit. No, no feelings hurt. I just want people to get exposure to it, to really connect with others and grow in their careers. Again, all the info is on our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Thank you again for listening. You can also go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and you can find more info about this podcast. You can find past episodes on there. You can read some of the takeaways. We're actually using AI software now to transcribe and process these podcast episodes and put the biggest takeaways from each episode right there on the website. And you can go get all of that right there soon after the podcast is released. So go check that out, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you. I'm rooting for you. I want you to be successful. And I hope you'll join me in just a couple of days as we're releasing our bonus Q&A episode with Kamiko Leung. Take care.